Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special holiday episode of Resiliency. You know, Silas and I were thinking about you guys as we came into the month of November, heading toward December and the end of the year. And we were thinking about all the years that our family spent on the field. As for me, I had 18 straight years of Thanksgiving and Christmas on the field, away from family, away from um, the U.S. And, you know, Susan and I and our kids, uh, that was the norm for us. Um, I know that Silas and his family spent so many years in Nepal during Thanksgiving and Christmas. And just with that backdrop, we wanted to just talk to you guys a little bit to help you to frame what Thanksgiving and Christmas might look like for you, just for it to become something that is super meaningful. If you've not already kind of come to your point in your time on the field where where your family has already figured out some neat uh, new traditions and ways to enjoy Thanksgiving, Christmas time on the field. We're just going to talk for a little while. It's going to be a shorter episode of Resiliency, but a special insert here between our every two-week release of one, one to release one here just before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so I was just thinking one of the things that was standing out to me was kind of the more meaningful experiences we had. I remember one Thanksgiving, my very first one in Asia. I was actually at that time serving in Calcutta for a little while, and we just all, we pulled all of our money together. We had a servant team with us, so they were with us, a volunteer team for four months. And we all just got together and pulled our money and bought blankets. It was a cold night, and we went out and just gave blankets to homeless people who were sleeping on the streets. And it's a very simple thing to do, um, but it really brought home the meaning of Thanksgiving to us. And especially in a place like Calcutta, where uh, the needs are great, it was a, a time to just really uh, give a little bit instead of all of the norms of what we get. Right. And uh, Thanksgiving was just kind of fun. And so that st- stands out in my mind. We did a lot of Thanksgivings over the years. Most of them were pretty traditional, but that first one was was really meaningful. But I think the holiday that stands out the most to, to me as far as new traditions and traditions that have lasted in our family is uh, Christmas at Karunagar. Karunagar was our children's home that where Kimberly and the kids and I lived. And we lived with a Nepali family who would, uh, we started the, the children's home with. And so between the kids and the kid, children's home and the, the Nepali family's uh, biological children and our own children, we had about 20 kids. And so every year we would put together a Christmas pageant for our neighborhood and giant pot of chicken curry. We fed about 200 people, and mm. I think we did it in shifts. We couldn't get everybody in the house at the same time. Hmm. But we would put on the Christmas pageant and share the gospel and um, share the gospel and, um, and eat a big feast of chicken curry. And so, By the way, that was the notification for the unreached of the day to pray for them. <laughs> so timely during the resiliency episode. So every year we would do that. And to this day, our kids, uh, they still 
expect us to make chicken curry for Christmas Eve dinner. Uh, when we moved back, we said, no, we're going to have ham on Christmas Day, but uh, but Christmas Eve, we make chicken curry. That's awesome. Who doesn't want a little chicken curry any day of the year, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, as I think about memories, you mentioned what you guys did at Thanksgiving for the poor in Nepal, and our family started a tradition back in Singapore that was going to to old folks' home on Christmas, and we were just talking about it, actually, the other day, that as our family gets together, all four of our married children and their spouses, and Susan and me, and our grandson, Henry, as we get together this Christmas, and we won't be here in Texas at all, but talking of, thinking about, hey, let's go online and see uh, what home for assisted living or nursing home that there is in the place that we're going to, uh, just to go, and, and we caroled. We would go to these um, uh, nursing homes and assisted living homes in Singapore, and we'd bring our guitar and just sing Christmas carols for people, and we've been doing that pretty much every year since we came to Waco also. So that's been one of our traditions and just something that I think, as you are where you are, as Silas just mentioned about feeding people, as I just mentioned about us visiting people who might not have family that would see them. Um, and of course, there's no American Thanksgiving holiday in Singapore or in Kathmandu. And, you know, Christmas may not be a big deal where you are, but you guys can make it a big deal for some people who might be in need or lonely or hungry or what have you. Yeah, having, having your own traditions is a good thing. And toward the end of this episode, we're going to go through some practicals of what some things you can do that are meaningful and ways to make uh, make this work. But one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this episode is just how isolation is such a common problem among people who live and work overseas, especially in the earlier in the earlier years of, of service. But um, it's a it's a feeling that a lot of first term missionaries have to work through, mm. and they resolve, but it never really goes away. Um, you can get to a place where it gets better, but it never never goes away. And when the holidays come up, when Thanksgiving, Christmas rolls around, it, there's a realization that somewhere across the ocean, family members who really know you well, who know who you don't have to explain yourself to mm-hmm. or explain why you're doing these traditions and what they what they mean to you. Uh, you don't have to explain to coworkers who might be from another country why you eat turkey at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just—it's such a sense of loss to have to feel like you're not really known, right? And that kind of comes up at that time. And having already mentioned a sense of loss, I'll add that of all the emotions that missionaries face and experience, loss is at the top because it's so global. You mm-hmm. have a loss of language, a loss of autonomy, especially in those first years when you don't really know the culture well. You feel like a toddler just being led by the hand. Expectations on how people would even react to a, a joke that you tell, yeah. uh, let alone family, friends, and, and even climate. My dad, um, when we lived, when I was growing up in Kenya, my dad would get kind of depressed around Christmas because uh, it wasn't the same the same weather as Western Pennsylvania mountains. There wasn't snow and we were out there in shorts and stuff, and he would get depressed. So even the loss of a familiar climate can trigger a sense of loss. One of our mutual friends who lives in Southeast Asia, he and he may listen to this, uh, he and I were texting this weekend, and he said, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy Thanksgiving, and we will around the swimming pool <laughs> with our friends. Yep. Yeah, so when Christmas and Thanksgiving come around, they emphasize that sense of family, festivity, 
the safety of being known, as I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. So those holidays, they emphasize family and unity. And then suddenly you're faced with the reality that those those things are not happening. You don't mm-hmm. have that fa- family connection is uh, just really particularly painful. Mm-hmm. And uh, something I was uh, remember hearing about, it's not u- a unique experience only to world missions, but there's a phenomenon called seafarer's pain. Sea what? Seafarers. Farers. Seafarers. 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 Sailors, back in the old days, when they would go out for years on end on these long missions, they learned to cope with being far away from home because it was part of the job. But during the holiday season, the pain and the pressure of being stuck on that ship and sleeping on a hammock and stuff and being isolated and disconnected from family and people who loved them and knew them well intensified and it would often lead to depression. Hmm. And so it wasn't uncommon for a sailor just to throw themselves off of a ship Good into the grief. water during that time. Yeah. So, so, we're, so we're countering the idea of, of following through in seafarer's pain here. Yeah, yeah please and don't do that. Yeah. Don't, do not jump ship. But that said, I mean, what we're doing really, Silas, is just acknowledging people's loss, acknowledging our listeners' uh, grief. Some of you may be at a point where, and I would say safely that, as, as holidays rolled around, we certainly thought about our families, but you know, but the loss and the grief lessened more and more as we looked forward to <clears throat> kind of the replacements that we had for things that would be more common with our own culture, with our own family, as you said, the familiarity of things, not having to explain yourself. Um, for us, and some, some of our listeners certainly are in places where uh, there is an expatriate community, not so much so where you guys were in Nepal, maybe, or or even if there were, you chose to be with your Nepali friends, which is amazing. Um, but we we would have a mix of both expatriates and Singaporeans all enjoying, say, the Thanksgiving meal together or, uh, you know, Christmas meal. So, you know, that thing of gathering together and enjoying the foods that you're familiar with uh, and all that, you know, it's not out of bounds. I don't, I don't think that, that any of our first-term listeners that are out there need to be thinking, is there anything that we shouldn't do because we're, you know, we're Americans and our holiday from back in the States is happening right now. But I would say you're free and uh, do the thing that you want to do to enjoy and just celebrate together as a family the goodness of God in the land of the living where you are. Yeah, I won't even go into how what I would go through to try to get a, a turkey breast to cook on Thanksgiving in Kathmandu, <laughs> Nepal. But we did every year. One missionary that's served for a long time in Europe put it this way, as the years have passed, it's gotten easier in a way. However, you still know you're missing out. Every year I seem to suppress the loneliness more. I try to focus on the positive and on the people that are in our daily lives. I'm thankful for the new family God's given us. No one will ever replace, and that's kind of what you were talking about, is mm-hmm. uh, finding people who, who, will, who will replace, but no one actually fully replaces our parents, siblings, or family at home, but God does bring people into our lives, people that we minister to and minister with, and they have become like family to us. Many of the people we work with and minister to are in the same position we're in, away from family, right. and we have a tradition now of having Christmas Eve dinner at our house. We usually have between 18 and 25 people from several nations, everyone bringing a dish to share, and we enjoy each other's company. The more I'm celebrating with people I truly care about, the less it hurts when missing those I love back home. Mm. But on more than one occasion, I found myself pursuing what God's put in front of me to do, and in the middle of it, completely caught off guard by sadness, loneliness, and longings of being with family. 
It comes out of nowhere, and figuring out how to handle those emotions can be hard. And that's kind of what we're talking about, just mm. acknowledging the pain, making it making it uh, real and not just pushing it down and trying to soldier through. Yeah. I think of, obviously, the word thanksgiving, just in everything, giving thanks, rejoicing always, you know, for this is God's will for us. And when we're, de- when we're facing pain, loss, sadness, you know, Silas, there's no remedy quite like thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God built it into... I think just the, his his design of the universe that a thankful heart is good medicine. Mm. And for those who are struggling with being away from family and things that are familiar, to really be deliberate, be intentional about expressing your thanksgiving. That can be in your in your family gathering, in your small gathering, or your bigger gathering if you have local friends and expatriates with whom you're gathering. And it can certainly just be in your time alone with Jesus. Just, Lord, I'm sad. I miss family. But, Lord, I sure am thankful. And enumerate those things. List them out. It's not just something we would do at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. It's an exercise we should do on a regular basis, Obvious, obviously a lifestyle. But really want to encourage you who may be kind of grasping for, man, how do we, how do we put some joy in this time? Because we're so, so sad and missing things. Uh, missing our family, um, just to be intentionally grateful for what you do have and not for that which you don't have this Thanksgiving and Christmas. So some of the practical things that, that we came up with. In terms of feeling loss or feeling, you know, just grieving that you don't, that you're not with family, um, don't pretend like it's it's nothing. You know, acknowledge your pain. That's just a healthy way to live. It's just to acknowledge that it's hard, name your losses, but don't just stop there. There are all kind of reasons to be grateful and to find joy where God has called you. You know, we we lived in Singapore all those years, and Singapore is just, it was decorated beautifully at times. So just walking down, up and down Orchard Road, uh, we didn't have to be buying, we didn't have to be shopping, but there was there are a lot of believers in Singapore and a lot of uh, people, even even owners of entire malls who would decorate their malls with an emphasis upon Jesus and upon, you know, uh, good tidings of great joy. So, yeah, just finding new traditions and things like that and, and finding joy where the Lord has called you is so important. Several of our other guests have said similar things of finding joy where God's called you, learning to experience that gratitude for what you have, not just seeing through the lenses of what you don't have. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think we live in a really great time as far as missions go because of technology. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Kenya, not to kind of give the when I was a boy story, but we had mm-hmm. a we had a ham radio to get news out and to get information back. And so now we've got Skype and uh, VC and WhatsApp and all the things that we have. And so uh, during the holidays, it's important to set time aside to share special moments with family. There's a there's a story I read about a missionary family whose kids couldn't wait to hear their grandfather read the Christmas story with them via Skype. And so, oh, you know, if awesome. that, would, that would be a great kind of a tradition. We didn't do that, but... Yeah, what a great idea, though. Yeah. And then creating new traditions, just like we did in Paul with mm-hmm. the... Um, telling the Christmas story to our neighbors and sharing Christmas, uh, chicken curry. That was a new tradition. And so finding something you can enjoy with those that are close to you, making it a, a tradition, 
Uh, when we stepped back from it all, our celebration of Christmas didn't look American at all. And but yet to this day, 10 years later, all our family still wants to have the, the chicken curry every year. Another thing, too, is to hold on to old traditions. Mm. They, they keep you close to home, tied to home. Uh, though it wasn't the same as home because we celebrated with people from a lot of different countries. When we were in Kathmandu, we, had, we were part of an international congregation. Christmas Eve, we'd get together with a lot of people from Europe and around the world who had much of a more traditional sense of Christmas, and we'd mm. have a candlelight service. Mm. So having those ties to something that was more familiar was really, a, 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 in a sense, kind of like a life preserver for us. Yeah. One thing, uh, on a practical sense, is to be mindful of traditions that might be incompatible with your host culture. Uh, when we were living in Nepal, we had to forego the tradition of Santa Claus with our kids, which probably was fine anyway. But living closely with very poor Nepali children would have created a really awkward situation mm-hmm. when our kids were like, Dad, why didn't the kid, our friends get gifts whenever right. uh, Santa came to visit? Mm-hmm. So we just taught them actually about the real St. Nicholas and celebrated his compassionate heart toward at-risk children, which was all, what St. Nicholas was all about. And so every year when we talk about Santa Claus, they knew that we were talking about a, a real Christian saint from, from the past. And another thing I would say, man, go all out. Don't hold back. Don't try to limit yourself because you're not home or whatever. Whatever you do during the holidays, go all out. It's, uh, it's not just because it's different or unfamiliar. Don't let that limit you. If your nation celebrates Christmas, jump into some of their festivities. Nothing is going to add to the sadness that you might already be feeling more than just sitting home alone during the holidays. And if you're planning something with friends, make it big or at least make it as big as possible. And I know in some of our locations, we really can't um, be very expressive about something that's a, a Western holiday, especially when related to Christianity. But wherever it's possible, make it as big as you can. Yeah, I think that's a, a good note for me to kind of interject a final thing here, Silas. Uh, for us uh, in Singapore, which obviously is a big melting pot of, of Buddhism and Islam and Hinduism and Christianity and just materialism and all kind of things, for us, I mean, Singapore is a nation where we weren't restricted from sharing the good news and talking about Jesus. We found that Christmas and Easter were the most open times in people's hearts uh, to have conversation about Christ. And yeah, wherever you are, to the extent that, that the Spirit of God leads you and emboldens you or just moves you with compassion, I just want to really encourage you to leverage the Christmas season especially to talk about Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we were able to share with people the meaning, you know, the real reason for the season every year uh, with probably a greater number of people and a greater openness and eagerness by people at times to hear about Christ than any other time of the year. So, you know, both... For us as Americans who have this Thanksgiving holiday, we know the the background, the history of the pilgrims giving thanks to God for his abundance in this new land. And of Christmas, of course, completely centered on our hope in the gospel and in Jesus. And so talk about Jesus. The Lord wants you to be able to use this season, both these seasons, Thanksgiving and Christmas, to magnify his name to share his glory, to tell the good news of great joy that's to all people, that unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So, 
yeah, we we had um, a lot of people in our in our church and in our lives in Singapore. Their personal testimonies went back to at Christmas time. Uh, somebody here from this church shared with me the good news of Jesus, and now I've been walking with him all these years. So go for it. Mm. So as we wrap up, we're going to do what we always do, and uh, I'm going to pray a prayer of impartation and benediction for you all. As the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 5, the Lord is near. We are witness of the dawning of that great light come into the world as we celebrate these Christmas holidays. Emmanuel, God with us. It's central to why we've gone out into the world, to bear witness to the great light that has come. But Lord, so often our own light fades and falters. It becomes dim with time and care. May the great light that sent us into the world shine in us today. May it revive our own light. And may we depart from this time with our faces set on the sun so that our lives may continue to serve as a reflection of God's light in the midst of our darkness and the darkness that we're surrounded by so that our very lives may announce the advent of the coming Messiah. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, that does it for today's special episode of Resiliency. Tune in next week on December 1st for an interview with longtime Antioch field workers who labored in an intensely repressive environment and watched many of their own friends get taken away into re-education camps. Their story is heartbreaking, but their resiliency is heroic. And we're grateful that they were willing to share their family secrets to resiliency with us. So you don't want to miss that episode. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. If you listen on Apple Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about resiliency.